baby started. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sister to Sister, and that is a broadcast platform to share the Black experience with day-to-day -day examples from people who face racism just in their daily lives. It's really meant to open up the eyes of those of us who wake up white every day, who don't come from that experience. And I'm so honored to have today's guest with me. You know, when I ask people to do this, I'm asking them to share things that are deep, that often leave scars. And I do not take that lightly. I so appreciate your willingness to do this. So let me tell you a little bit about Shimon, who is my guest today. Shimon Bui Valdez, she is an entrepreneur, a philanthropist. She's what Bob Berg calls a real go-giver, and she's a citizen empowering other people. She's a two-time cancer survivor, and she actually believes, and I believe you are right, that the cancer happens so that you can serve others in the journey called life. She enjoys mentoring students in business and leadership at San Jose State College in California. And she's always seeing the best in people and in life. She's really excited for what's to come. So I'm excited for what's to come and I'm excited that you're here with me today. Thank you, Shimon. You're welcome, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we were talking about um, a book that you just shared with me. It's on Oprah's book list, which I wasn't familiar with, called Cast. C-A-S-T-E. That's correct. And it's the history of racism in the U.S. Yeah, and also it talks about the caste system in India and comparing the two. It's very oh, enlightening. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I'm, thank you for that new resource because... You know, we can talk, but we also want to take action. And action is educating ourselves. Yes. So you do it. You listen to it on Audible, which is great. Yes. A lot of people like to hear it. I'm a reader. I like to read with my highlighter and my pen and all that stuff. So uh, I want to recommend that to all of you. The book is called Cast, C-A-S-T-E. Yep. And uh, it sounds like it's a good one to read. It's a good one. You know, Oprah, she picks the good ones. So, she you does. <laughs> you she can't does. go wrong with the Oprah pick, right? No, never, yeah. never, never, never. So thanks for being here. So Shimon, let me go ahead and just turn it over to you because this is about you sharing an experience that, you know, will make a difference for all of us. So the, the floor is yours, my friend. I appreciate that. Well, I grew up on a reservation in Arizona and it was... Um, mi mixed, you know, white, Indians, Hispanics. We've had a pretty good diverse group of people on the reservation. Uh, but I did experience where we had to live in certain, they called it the quarters. And that's where the black people lived. And then you had the white people up on the hill. And it was a, a lumber mining area for the Native Americans. So most of my family came to work in the m lumber mill. And I remember as a kid, we would go to, the, to the, the movie and we'd have to sit upstairs. And that was like, we, you know, the separation of the movie theaters, you couldn't sit in the same area and all that. And I, could, I was just like, wow, this is crazy. You know, even as a kid, you could see the difference. You felt the difference. And that's the, the journey started there on the reservation. Um, most of the time, the, the people of different ethnicities got along very well until it was something political that gets in the way and then everybody goes their separate ways. And I was a young kid experiencing this. And we moved to California after that. 
in Oakland, I experienced the same thing. The first time I experienced like outright, like I felt like it was attacking me was a young girl. I was at the mall and my mom was over in another area. I was just walking around in the mall and the girl said, mommy, there's a nigger. And it, I looked, I'm a little kid going, did she just call me a nigger? I ran and told my mom, she goes, don't listen to those people. <laughs> but it was just shocking. It was like, how did this young girl, younger than me, know to use the word nigger in this day and age? Uh, so that was shocking to me. I'll be 60 in December. Yeah, well, let's and, see. How did they learn that word? Uh, yeah, could it be in your household? Yeah, yeah. But I was just shocked because, you know, our family, even though we went through a lot of changes my mother and always and my dad always said you know those are those people with their opinions but we are all created by god but it was still hard for me to fathom uh hearing someone say that because i had never heard it out loud um that was when we moved to oakland so of course oakland was already segregated right and so I was like, this is going to be a great journey here. I didn't think about it because every day as a black person, we don't get up going, oh, I'm black. We just know it, right? And we know, okay, put your armor on. And that's why a lot of people think, well, why are you guys, are you angry? No, we're not angry. We are, we, we just want justice just like everybody else and everything. Equal, equal education, equal opportunity for work, equal housing. That was big too in Oakland. I progressed to when I became um, uh, a working woman, when I was working in the bank. I knew redlining was going on, but I had, didn't know it until I saw it with my own eyes at the bank that I worked at. It was done, coding for people who were. <laughs> and people then I knew. color were coded, yes. and because coded. they were coded, they weren't getting a mortgage. Exactly. So exactly. what year was that? Was that in oh, the 70s, 80s? Yeah, it was, it was more 80s 80s more 80s yeah yeah but it was already happening but i didn't see it until i got in the industry when they would loan and do you know and you see it and you're like oh my god this is really happening and of course they didn't allow many of us in that department because they probably didn't want many of us to see what was really going on right so yeah so that was that was interesting but i i have to say trish that um on an everyday basis, we hear things. Like if you go to the grocery store, they're looking at you. Like, oh, what are you doing here? Especially if you live in a different neighborhood. Okay. <laughs> so as I progressed and made a little money, I moved in a more affluent neighborhood, which was 97%, maybe 98% white. And the other was Asian and like 0.1% <laughs> black, right? So they're looking at you. Like, what are you doing here? What are, you, are you supposed to be here? Yeah, I pay for my house just like you. And I'm here, but there's always that look. And I've had conversations with people and they'll say, so how is it, you know, to be black? And I go, well, take, take it and turn the, do the knob up like to 120 degrees when it's already 90 degrees hot. You are going to be suffocated with it every day. And that suffocation comes from people's opinions. And, and like the caste system said, it comes from systemic racism. It's been here from day one. 
Um, they didn't found this country on, on equal opportunity. They founded this country on, we can take it, we have the guns, we're gonna take it, and we're gonna subjugate, subjugate the uh, native people, and right. we're gonna enslave the new people that we bring in here. Yeah. So yeah. what do you say to people who, who, you know, this whole thing, so we were talking before we got started today, something that recently happened, I read it in Forbes magazine, and I don't think Forbes, Forbes is a left-leading no, magazine. No, it's not. It's so not. I take this, you know, as truth, you know, sometimes it's, oh, CNN says it, so it's right. left, or Fox says right. it, so it's right. Yeah. And Forbes magazine had an article that the president has ordered that diversity training stop because he doesn't believe that, uh, there is such a thing as white privilege and that was being taught in the classes. And he said that teaching that is divisive and un-American. Now to me, stopping it is divisive and un-American. So what do you say to people who say, oh, well, that's a long time ago. That was the eighties we were redlining. This is, you know, 40 years later and black people have all of the opportunity that everybody else has. Why don't they just put up their, pull up their big girl panties and move on? Like, right, what do you say right. to people who askew the whole uh, issue that there's such a thing as white privilege? They're not, they're not educated. And, and I know that they don't want to be an uneducated person. So I always tell them, you know, you talk about us being educated. You need to educate yourself on what's really been going on in this country. And that's like those books of white fragility and uh, Tommy Cussie Holtz, Coates, he actually wrote a book too. Yeah. Trying to get his name right. It's so hard to say his Good name. Good job. <laughs> I did it again. Okay. <laughs> He's been writing about this stuff for a long time. And then, of course, the book Cast. People are now being awakened to say, we need to spotlight this because it has been going on and people know it, but they don't want to admit it. Donald Trump knows it. He's a racist. I'm saying it. And he's a white supremacist. I'm saying it because he believes this stuff. He literally believes it and he practices it in his life. How many black people really do you see around him unless you pay them? Probably not many. I always ask a girl, she said to me, <clears throat> I like black people. I said, how many have you eaten dinner with? That wasn't forced because they were in your workforce. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Cause she was using her workforce as yeah. I work with people, but how many have you eaten dinner with? How many have you invited to your home right. to get to know them? I have so many of my beautiful white friends who have done that. And they're not doing it to say, no, they genuinely care about me. Yes. Because there are those that are there. But, but what, what, what really struck me when I read this book, Trish, and I, it really resonated with me, that there were no white people until it was America. There were French, European, um, German, all the different cultures, right? Yes. Irish, whatever. But as soon as they came to America, it became the white people against the black people. Right. And that's the caste system that we have here. It's if you're white, I don't care if you're Spanish, blah, 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 boom, they put you in the white category. Anytime you're dark or black, you're in the black category. So everybody did not want to be black. So they would do anything to conform. So when they came over Ellis Island and changed their name, that was so they can be identified as black. I mean, excuse me, white. As white. As white. Yes. So we, that is deep racism. And when they, they don't want to shift it because they want to keep the power. So if everybody feels like, oh, I'm white, but no, you're not. You're really European and you're, that's not considered white. 
There are no white people in the Bible. If you read the Bible, there is no white people in the Bible. All of this, this comes from a mindset of when these slave traders and, and, and surprisingly, the Catholic Church was the biggest one of them uh, doing it. And they perpetrate a lot of this stuff in the church too. Oh, these people come from this sector, ham, sham, whatever, the dark, you know, the blah, blah, blah. You know, they mm-hmm. teach all that stuff in religion so that even religious people, that's why I'm so surprised, but not surprised after I read the book, that the, the religious, I don't know, what do you want to call them? Fundamentalists? I don't know, evangelicals? What do you want to call them? Are behind this man in the White House. If you are of Christ, I would think you would be like, I'm staying away from someone who don't believe that all of us are created equal and that all of us are created by God. and We should all be shown the same respect. Well, I, I totally hear you. And the thing for me is that people such as our president that we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. friends of mine, people that I care about and people that I love, they don't see their racism. They don't understand that their actions are racist. They don't understand by eschewing the whole idea of white privilege, that's racist. Right. It's sort of like a a white man not understanding there's male privilege, period, end of sentence. You know, they they know it though, but they're not going to discuss it. And they don't acknowledge it. And they think, oh, a woman can move up just like I can if they work hard, but that's not true. It's not true. Men are 50% more likely to move up into executive positions than women, period, end of sentence. They did a study, as you probably are aware of, they took um, 200 resumes exactly the same. And they put white people names, Tim Brown, Tim Jones, and they put a black people name, Shaniqua or oh, DeAndre, yeah. right? Right, 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 right. The black people were 50% more likely not to get the call. You Absolutely. cannot tell me that that is not white privilege. Yeah. It is. Well, Donald Trump has given them the, the okay to say it's okay now. I know. And I I don't want to, you know, and really, I'm not, I don't want to bash the president. I get it. I get that many people support him for whatever reason. You know, they think he's done a good job. He's elevated the economy, whatever. And in this instance, he's not done a good job by canceling diversity training for federal workers, by after a mass shooting saying there's good people on both sides. Where is the outrage that people are murdered simply because of the color of their skin? So in this issue, I have a real problem with our quote unquote leadership. So I hear you. I absolutely hear you. And, you know, people also say, you know, that was a long time ago, that whole thing. Well, imagine growing up and being called what you were called. Imagine We need to hear it so people... Like, no, it's a dirty word. <laughs> no, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't like saying it. I don't like <laughs> I know, hearing it. When I yeah. hear it, I call people out on it. Yeah. But, you know, imagine that. Imagine being treated so differently all the time. And now you're in your 40s and things are, are better. No question. We all right. have to agree that oh, yeah. things are better. Oh, yeah. yeah but you're you still carrying that baggage. Yeah. Well, the country is. The country is carrying it, but they don't, there's parts of the country that don't want to recognize it, but they're carrying it too. Yeah. And they're proudly carrying it because they like it. 
Because yeah. as long as they can keep the status quo, it keeps them in power. Someone said the other day, we had a discussion about it, and they said resistance. Every time there's a resistance, there's something to squash it. So say, for instance, the, the protests that have just been happening, right? The resistance is there. The young generation is pushing back like they did in the 60s. And now all of a sudden, they've flipped the script, and they're very good at this. They do it every single time. Let's focus on the crime, right. not the protest, right? right? And the crime is being perpetrated by who other than the white supremacist groups that are trying to keep the stir up, right? Exactly. So it's not the protesters that are out there, you know, peacefully protesting. It's these other, other elements that are coming in trying to keep it where it's at or keep the resistance down. Yep. And that's what we have to be aware of, that we have to keep resisting. That's the only way this is going to be a change uh, Trish, because after I read the book, it really left me, ah, oh, it, it left me with, this will never change. This yeah. will never change unless there is something huge that just destroys the system. Because the system that we're in, it's not working. People, I don't even know if people come here for a better dream anymore because they see us all crazy right now. I know. You know? you know, it's a crazy time. It really yeah. is. And, you know, both of us are, have lived a long time and we've seen a yeah. lot. And both of us have been activists since we were younger. Yes. And, um, you know, every time we see the needle moving, we see it move back 10. You know, that's how I'm feeling right now. Me and too. I know you are feeling the oh, same yeah. way. Oh, yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. if there's one thing you can suggest to people to do to take action, what would that be? Vote. Number one, <laughs> help other people to vote. That's number two. And keep the conversations alive yeah. respectfully uh, because people are so deep in it. It's, it's like when you're sick <clears throat> and you're trying to get well, but you, you focus on the sick, the sick part of you. You're like, I got to fix that. I got to fix that. And that's what we need to do. We need to focus on the sickness of this country and that racism, the deep systemic racism is the sickness of our country. Because we could be beautiful, even more so than what we are if everybody was working in harmony together. I know that sounds like utopia, but I think it can happen, Trish. I really do. Because everything we do in our daily lives affects us and other people. And we need to be conscious of the fact that it's there. Everybody knows it. There's no denying it. They just don't want to talk about it because it's so painful. And in deep inside, I think most white people know, yeah, we've had a good and they're scared because I have conversations with other white people. They're scared of reparations. They're scared that they're going to have to give back or they're scared black people are going to come up and rise up and treat them like they did. Yeah. And that's where we have to stop. We have to stop the fear and educate ourselves on what's really going on. And if you really want to change, you really want to have a justice system that's equal. It's not just black people too. Poor white no. people don't get treated right either. Right. It's all about money and your class situation. Yes. That, right. Yes. But it's always the white is right. <laughs> and in the book, the um, cast, it talks about there were even frictions among the white layer. Right. So if you were Anglo-Saxon, you were you were the dog, you know. Right. But if you're Italian or <laughs> yeah, Irish, yeah, you're not. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So it was all this coloration going on. And that's when I guess they all decided to come together and say, let's keep this stuff and keep them down. Yeah. Um, but they don't know. We are spiritual people and we will never be kept down, ever. We will Amen. still try. Yes.
uh, in this country because we have we know where we come from. We know that we were all created by God. And as long as I hang on to that, I don't fear no man. Thank you, Shimon. I so appreciate you being here, oh, having welcome. some intelligent conversation about the reality that you and people like you experience. And thank you so much. Let's keep You're the conversation welcome. going. Keep it going. Keep thank it going. you. Thank you all for being with us today. And I look forward to seeing you again with another powerful conversation next Tuesday. Thank you, everyone. All right.